Oh, it's recording. Hey, this is Dion. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing my friend Karen. And I'm really curious uh, what her insights will be because I have come to a point where I feel like I don't know what to do and I don't know really if I need to do anything. But what I want to do is just promote conversation, to promote um, trying to just understand each other and respect each other. And the respect that I'm looking for is just respecting what a person is saying and that that person is being able to say it in a non-aggressive way where they're not pushing anything on you, but just speaking from their own selves and um, so that it can be a back and forth of understanding. And um, I don't know, I'm feeling a little bit down, I must say. So I think she's gonna lift my spirits. I think Karen is gonna um, be able to shed some light. She's one of my smart friends. I hope you enjoy. Can you see me? Yeah, hey, wait. you. Let me change this. Uh... How are you, honey? Let me do this, uh, change this, my name. It says my daughter's name. <laughs> I know, like, oh, Bia Bella. <laughs> I know. No, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm happy to talk to you today. I've been yeah, going. I am too, wait, your lighting's good. Let me get, let me get better lighting here. Yeah, I can't. Shadow, hold yeah. on, let me get, let me, let me get my. Okay. Wow, you've got some, lots of library going on there. Awesome. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. I'm not kidding. Let me try, let me try this. Nope, that's worse. That's <laughs> slightly better. Do you have like you have like some light on you? Is that what it is? You know, it's taken me a while to figure it out, but I have a lamp now that I put. It's like behind my computer. But yeah. Because this this is like the sun's coming through from the back, same as you. Our yeah. background is really bright. I have one. Hold on, I'll get one. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. Well, if I, you want so I to, a, I have a light. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. It's cute though. She's got a cute room. I see a a bowling pin and some yarn, maybe somebody knits some things there. This is like I spy with my little, my evil eye. Some beautiful books, some old clocks, some pictures. So cool, just being able to see in somebody's world a little bit. That's personal life. There we go. That's a little better, right? Yeah. Yeah. You almost look superimposed. So do I, I guess. This light, yeah. This okay. That's lighting is everything, isn't it? There we go. <laughs> lighting. That's better. Yeah. Okay. So, um, oh wait, and I had me plug this back in. Hi, Dion. Yeah, that's great. Hi. Hey, Karen. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. And I'm going to actually put on just, just a timer just in case because I don't want it to go for too long. I know you're a busy woman. Oh, as am I. Yes. 
<laughs> so I'm gonna just put that on there. And um, yeah, so thank you so much for joining me. I've started to have kind of like a show, but it's not really anything yet, but I'm calling it My Friends Are Smart. Mm. And mm. I just wanted to start having important conversations that have been mm. missing in my life and I think maybe the lives of others, but I'm not even gonna go there. I'm doing this for me and I'm doing this because I think you know, everybody's own individual enlightenment can really start spreading the fire of knowledge and peace and all of those things. Definitely. Wise conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really needed in this time. It's really... It'll be fun because I was talking to a friend this morning and she said, uh, so I hope that this, you know, is, is something that has value for you and other people because she said you know karen i've known you for years and every time i talk to you she said i feel like i have to put on like a different cap like thinking um she's like if, and, and i said i don't want to speak in platitudes or you know like i i think it's so important to communicate um yeah. and i guess the best way to do that is just to be um as clear as you can be you know yourself and as aware and try to uh yeah communicate in the clearest way possible yeah Definitely. I mean, um, trying to like what we do, like in a spiritual way, right, is we're trying to take away layers of the maha of like the um, what we've built around ourselves that we think is true, but it's not. So we're like trying to strip away all these layers and yeah. just be clear with ourselves and then to be able to get that information as clearly as possible to others. It's funny because I was reading Osho this morning and he's just saying, you know, it's just it's almost impossible <laughs> i don't mm, want to mm, mm, mm. you know make it seem like it's impossible but for for one being to be able to share themselves with another without anything mm. in the way of their understanding mm. Mm, mm. It, it's gonna be um it's a challenge but it's a lovely challenge right and i think like when you do have like um like you are and i are you know have this uh, kind of loftier goals in life you know meaning like having spirituality in the forefront or self-development or whatever you want to call it. And then, yeah, you got to live in the real world. And what are, and, but those, and those issues, I think it's almost like, you know, I love this practice of meditation I've been doing. It's, it's a, a mindfulness where you use the entire world as your meditation. So instead of like sitting on the, you know, I mean, you can sit and do a very um, formal practice where you're just, you know, kind of sitting on the mat and you're kind of, you know, tuning into your, aware your awareness of, and mindfulness. Um, but the difference of using everything more externally, like in other words, not escaping or, or not negating and using like even these things, personality, current events, like all of those things can be part of the meditation because you're mindful. There's an when there's an equanimity that you bring to everything, that's mindfulness. Wow. So it's not like, oh, well, this, this is spiritual, like, right. you know, doing like, yoga. Oh, this is spiritual. spiritual when the temperature <laughs> is perfect and there's no outside yeah. noises and my whole life is peaceful, then I can do yoga. Or, or that's spiritual. Like, oh, I'm spiritual when I'm in the Himalayas or I'm spiritual when I'm, you know, um, doing, you know, yoga or whatever it is. And it's like, it's all, it all like from a kind of bigger, you know, is, it's when it's met with an equity an awareness, then it's all spiritual. And then we're not like hijacked, right? Right. 
because so, anyway. this, is our, this is our playing field. This is our right. life. So for us right. to take ourselves out of the situation of our life and be peaceful isn't yeah. really that helpful for us or anybody else. That's or, right. And I think that's like real maturity in spirituality because mm -hmm. I know when I started on my, whatever that means, you know, for me personally, spiritual path, it was like when I started meditating, when I started reflecting and things like that. And that was a really beautiful phase but I think I thought there was a, an idea of it, you know, that it, it meant like being peaceful all the time. And it meant, um, you know, uh, yeah, like just, and there was an idea of maintaining a certain, it's like, I call it the yoga teacher voice. Like, you know, when yoga teachers, especially new yoga teachers, when they go into a class, like normally they're talking like me and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, everybody. <laughs> Let's, and I'm like, you don't talk like that, you know, like you this because they feel it's like now I'm putting my spiritual and it's all, there's a humor in all of it. But I think the, um, the maturity part is can, what is the value that it has in everyday life mm -hmm. for you and others, like for me and others like that, that's really like putting the metal to the road, right? Where it's like, if it doesn't, if you get off the mat and you're still an ass, um, that's probably fine. That's some information that might be useful. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll be honest here. When I was in college and I was just starting off um, on a yoga journey, I would take a yoga class and I would get out of class and smoke a cigarette afterward. Mm, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I didn't yeah. think that there was, it was almost like I was trying to balance it. Well, like I did something good here, so mm, now I can mm. do something bad here and it's going to like even out. But yeah, that's just not that's not serving me or my body or the whole purpose of, of what I'm trying to do. So, I mean, I yeah. quit cigarettes a long time ago. I can't even, I honestly can't even breathe secondhand smoke. Now I'm like one of those people. Who's yeah. Like, if you're smoking around me, I'm like, ew. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> and yet there was something like important probably there too, because when you look at like that maturity, you know, you probably worked through whatever that layer was that was, you know, the smoking, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, the equanimity is that like even the masters like, you know, Osho or people like that, they, they get to a point, I'm not saying I'm there, but where, you know, if they say the masters can drink poison and it doesn't affect them. Mm -hmm. And that's because they have a sense of equanimity. And I think uh, that's like, that's the fun place to play where it's not like, cause, cause you can judge yourself and say, I'm vegan now. So like I'm so spiritual and I'm so evolved. And it's like, mm, are you, if that's what you're saying about it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're doing it because it's like, I'm just doing this because it's good for my body. And, you know, it's coming from a place of like of equanimity versus judgment. Um, yeah. So I think that's, and that it is harder because it doesn't have those, um, we like structure, I think, when it comes to things. We're used to that, you know, so we like to know this is what this looks like. Mm -hmm. And we can follow that. But spirituality is so open. You know, it's so open that you have to, like one of the really great teachers, Neem Karoli Baba, he said, his, his students always said, he never taught anything. He, he never said, do this, do that. He didn't, you know, he said, do whatever you want. This is the Westerners. And they were like, oh my God, like, what do we do with that? Because he knew that if they, if in their center, if in their core, there was this um, um, lo looking for that uh, equanimity, that, that, you know, kind of, that, but they had to go through those layers. And so I think it kind of ties into what we're talking, going to talk about today, because I think that 
like when you look at the world and what's being like blown up right now, you know, whether it's um, the virus and people's feelings around that or what's happening with race, what's happening with the LGBT, like, like there's all these like things that are all, which is what a gift. Yes, there's, there's so many things being brought up right now. And, and it's good to concentrate on one. And if you're like a Black Lives Matter person, then like concentrate on that. But there are so many things being brought up. And yes, what a gift. I love that you said that because it's all being like lifted up. It's all coming into the conversation. And this is why we can talk about it. And it's all important. And everybody yeah. has a different thing that they're fighting for and wanting to solve and do a little better with. So and I think the opportunity, Dion, is that it comes back to this. I just thought of it as you were saying it, that it comes back to like these basic, really important questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Okay. You know, all of those. So even if you're talking about race, okay, so we're going to talk about that, you know, this construct of race and how it's affected, you know, uh, many people's realities, mine and yours included in different ways, because it really goes at that core, who am I? And, and, and like in my own personal unwinding and unpacking of this whole thing, it has, it's really taking those layers of the onion and looking at each layer and, and helping to kind of, for me to clarify, yeah, who am I, you know? And, and what does that mean? So you probably have some questions or direction <laughs> this wasn't it this was like the, the the breakout session beginning this is what i love though this is this is what i wanted I, do, I mean i have i have some questions for you but i just wanted to let you talk i just yeah. honestly wanted to hear um what you're going through and what you think yeah. is helpful and all of those mm -hmm. things and once we discuss a little bit um, about yeah. that. I do have a very specific question that I'm trying to work through to find okay. an answer about. But first, okay. I just want you to talk about your background, just very yeah. um, quickly introduce, because um, you were telling me yesterday how cool yeah. the way that you grew up was. Right. And um, I wanted to thank you for having this conversation, because I think it's really, really, um, uh, and I think it's important, you know, I think it's like having dialogue and understanding. It's, it's just, I think it's we're, we're, we need more of it. Yeah, you know, like you go to you go to Rage Book. I call it it's Rage Book. It's not called Facebook, <laughs> and and there's no conversation really happening. Or I mean, I shouldn't say that there is an opportunity for conversation. It's you have to really just kind of find ways to break through. And I yeah. think it's just eventing. People like to vent, and um, and people are confused. And anyway, so my background. I think I told you a little bit about it. I mean it was funny because I started writing down some things that we talked, but like, I think growing up, um, let's see, how should I, how can I say this? Of course, like everybody, I don't think I thought of any like racial identity when I was very little because, you know, you just don't think about it. Right. And then, um, then I grew up, I think I told you and then, um, which I didn't know. I just knew my, it was the only neighborhood I knew. So I didn't have anything to compare it to, but it was, uh, um, you know, as I talk about it now, it was an all white community, um, an affluent community in, in uh, New York, in New York state, outside of um, Manhattan, like 35 minutes. Like it's one of the kind of most, um, what do they say? Like it's, it's one of the, it's kind of like, you know, how Palo Alto is in San Francisco, like that whole area. 
I'm not familiar with Palo Alto. Okay. Well, it's just one of like the most expensive affluent suburbs like in the country. Okay. So most, most of the people who live there, like their parents, like take the train every day, go to Manhattan and they're like CEOs and work in, you know, they're doctors, you know, and have their own businesses or in finance, things like that. And, um, so my, but my dad was an electrician, but he was very smart. He started buying property at a young age. And so he learned, his dad taught him that. So anyway, he was able to buy a home in this area. So but I never really thought about it until I was like on the playground, maybe at five years old. And some little kid came up to me and was like, you nigger. And I was like, oh, my God, what is that? And I just, the way he said it, it was like, that was the most defining big moment for me and saying, wow, whatever he's saying, like he thinks that I am like, this is really bad. And, um, mm. you know, even though that I, in my immediate neighborhood never had an issue. Cause it's funny, the more money people had, the less racist they were. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Because people who are already been successful aren't as interested in, you know, like they've already made, they're more comfortable and confident, especially if you've come from generations of wealth. It was like the kids who were new immigrants, like, or like were from the side of town that wasn't as well off. And so they had learned this, I guess. I mean, that's where, I, so that was that. And then, um, you know, the subtleties of it, like when it was time to date, there were really, it was only like, by the time I was in fifth grade or sixth grade, there were like two other black kids. And, and they had this like in fifth grade where they passed around this list of like, um, who likes who. And I was talking to a really good friend of mine from second grade, my best, one of my best friends, Wendy Korn, and um, about that. And she goes, oh yeah, I remember that, that day, that week, that was the happiest day of my life because Guy, whoever, Lynn liked me. And I said, well, that was like the worst day for me because I remember like my name wasn't on the list. And when I asked why, the girls told me, well, you can only date Wayne Johnson or William, William Johnson or Wayne Tucker. And I was like, I don't even like either one of them. <laughs> so it was like another, you know, um, and so, but overall, like I, the way I grew up, I, because I was in school and with people who were, you know, and I, I, I was, I understood race, but because I was, and I understood that black people were supposed to be worse, you know, like, or lower or second, like that was the, what was being communicated. Um, but because I was in school with kids and I was just as smart as them, I was like, this is kind of, doesn't make any sense. Cause I was like, I'm just as smart as these kids, if not smarter. <laughs> so whatever the world is saying, I have this, but what I, what I have thought about since we brought up this conversation was since things have happened recently, like I, I've, it's made me see how, um, maybe I wasn't affected as much, you know, in very subtle ways, but it's because of my education, mm. not just in school, but because like I could talk to anybody. I think I told you both sides. I could talk to anybody. I can go in any environment and I feel comfortable. I don't know if they're always comfortable. Now, if I go into like the black, I've been into the ghetto or, you know, community and, you know, I'm, I think that uh, I don't feel as comfortable. Like, you know, like I don't, I can't switch into like, hey girl, you know, like I don't, <laughs> hey girl, like that's not gonna, so culturally that's not, but there still is like, I feel very comfortable around people, black people, um, Hispanic people living in Miami has been great because I think it's like the brown city and, mm. you know, um, so anyway, that's kind of a general background. And then I, you know, uh, I, I don't think, 
you know, I hear a conversation, I think you said it, that people say, well, there is no structural racism. And they'll even say like, oh, look, some people have made it, but it's also because of those, you know, those, those, educa those um, being educated in that way, whether it's socially or being able to function, you know, and as I talk to some black people, they're like, they don't know how to, you know, they don't understand the, I think I wrote it down here, that the education is about, not just about like book smart, it's like, how does the system work in America? Um, things like conversations that I've had with my friends about money, investing, how do you make money? And those, you know, so all of those things give you that, you know, advantage. And then I, I wrote down, you know, but then socially, there definitely is like a subtle thing. I wrote this down about like, you know, I think I'm limited socially in subtle ways that like if I went into an environment where it's like, like um, certain environments, I may be able to be okay. Like say it's a very like a successful, you know, people are successful. If I'm dressed a certain way, if I talk a certain way, I could be the only, maybe the one that would be allowed to be in that room. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but it would be, um, yeah, it would, it, uh, that it would have to be, like I'd have to kind of conform in that way, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know if it would be, like in a subtle way. I think there's certain social settings that I would not be allowed in. Do you know what I'm saying? Or maybe be self-conscious about. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear that, um, huh. You know, we need to kind of put on, we need to be chameleons a little bit, right? Because sometimes we have to dress up and be a certain way to be accepted in a certain group. And if we're playing that game, it's fine. But sometimes we just want to be known or accepted as ourselves. And um, so maybe that's a structural thing that we need to work through. Um, yeah. And then that's I also- very well said. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. And then I also heard you saying, like, just as far as black people being able to speak, I mean, gosh, it, it is a white society. I'm not pr pretending that it's not. And so I'm talking about, like, somebody who is black, who is able to kind of rise up into a in a chameleon way to be able to speak to white people at their level is right. kind of, at this point the only way that they can feel accepted, which is really, really sad. Yeah. Um, and then not even completely. Cause I remember a guy saying to me not too long ago, someone I met who was working at my house and he said something about, Oh, you're Obama black. Uh, <laughs> that means I was like, Oreo or yeah. something. I was right? like, what does that mean? Well, he meant like Obama, you know, Obama could like, he did, he, he kind of went past color barriers, right? He could talk to anybody Yeah. and he, he, but not everybody, right? There were people who were just like, Oh, this is a great guy. And they could see, you know, whatever, whatever. And then there were other people that are like, I cannot get past this. Like, this is, this is, it was actually could be, um, what's the word? Something um, like almost upsetting, right? Like, wow. who, and you know, why? Who, because of his black skin or because he wasn't? I think because it's like, it, it's like, um, I don't know, maybe you can tell me better, but I think for some people it might be like, how dare you? Like, if he's smarter, like someone thinks you're smarter than, like, this guy's black and he's smarter than me. Right. Like, you know, and it's a subtle, it's so subtle, but we are so, you know, conditioned. There's a, have you heard of this woman who does the blue eyes, brown eyes thing? I don't know. 
Oh, Jane. Okay, I'll send it to you after. You'll back in 1968. She does it. To, she's been doing it for 50 years. Back in 1968, after Martin Luther King was oh killed. Oh my gosh, I did that experiment. Yeah. Jane Elliott. I yeah. About that. Yeah, it's a great experiment because she does it in a classroom of third graders. And when you watch it, within 15 minutes of telling like the blue-eyed kids they're worse, you just see the kids like put their heads down mm. and they start to feel bad and they start to like retract. And then the other kids, the brown eyes start saying, yeah, you're dumb, you know? And it's like in 15 minutes. And so that's the psychological part that's been played on all of us is that, you know, that these ideas, which are made up, you know, um, and that were deliberately made up, you know, um, uh, that that they in, they impermeate um, the psyche of everybody, and that I think that's what we're unpacking now. And some people, like I say, there's two conversations. There's a conversation where people say, like you're saying, "Let's talk. I want to listen." And there's the other side of the coin that says, "Shut up. I don't want to hear about it." Yes. Oh yes. There's there's that. <laughs> As you said with your family, I'm, I want to hear more about what happened with your family. And well, you said you brought it up. I'm going to, um, I've been talking a little bit about it in ways that I can, where I'm trying not to be offensive. I'm trying not to tell anybody like, look at this, this is real. You know? <laughs> like stop for a second and look, but this is what I wanted to just uh, read to you this one little part because this I'm, I'm stuck. I'm at a, I'm at a stuck point right here. Okay. So. So he was making a point to talk about white privilege is racist as it focuses on color instead of character. People are privileged not based on their circumstances, upbringing and choices, not the color of their skin. It was just a point that was being made. Of course, okay, so, so this is what happened is that I was called racist. I was you, oh, like, oh, it's reverse, right? right. Like you're, yeah, you're being I, racist. I was being racist because I was speaking about the issues about the police brutality and mm -hmm. that black people are seen as being guilty before innocent. And mm -hmm. so what came back to me was this. I'm going to read it again because it blows my mind. Okay. okay. Because it's very logical and it's very well thought out. And yeah. it's almost like everybody that believes this was given a paper to say exactly this. Mm -hmm. Do it again, listen to it again. <clears throat> he was making a point that to talk about white privilege is racist as it focuses on color instead of character. People are privileged or not based on their circumstances, upbringing and choices, not the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So read it one more time because I really want to get this. I really want to. I know. I know. Me too. Maybe just do the first, like the first, do the first sentence. Like well, he like, was making a point um, that to talk about white privilege is racist as it focuses on color instead of character. Okay. So, I think so let's, let's, let's take, we can take that apart because I, I mean, and it's interesting because there's another woman who does this uh, talk. It's called white fragility. Have you heard of that? No. And, and she's a really interesting woman. Um, she's a sociologist, I think. She's been doing this work for years too. And she kind of addresses that very thing. And she says that the minute you bring up this conversation, you'll get the response that you said, because it's actually one way to shut down the conversation. Yes. Yeah. It's saying it doesn't exist. And so then therefore, we don't need to have this conversation. Let's just carry on as 
you know, usual. And uh, it's really funny with Jane Elliott, one of the things she does, and I can send you the clip, there's a, uh, a clip where she's standing in, in an auditorium and it's filled with white, white people. And she says, she's really funny. She's like a tough love kind of lady. And she goes, everyone in this, okay. She goes, um, anyone in this auditorium who would like to be treated, and this is, this is 20 years ago, like uh, black people in our society generally are, would like to be treated that way, stand up. Yep. Nobody, stand, nobody stands up. And she goes, you didn't understand what I just asked you. If there's anybody in this room that would like to be treated in general the way they feel that our black brothers and sisters are treated in society, stand up. Again, no one stands up. And she says, the fact that you're not standing up says you know something's wrong, you know you don't want it for yourself, but yet you're not willing to say anything about it. Mm. That's good. Because, that makes it pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, it's because I think it's, it's easier to, and I totally understand like where someone like, was this your cousin or your brother who said that? <laughs> you're dead. Okay. <laughs> Whoever, let's just call him John. I understand where John's coming from because, you know, this is the unpacking of it is that it's, it's so difficult to see something if you haven't experienced it, right? It's that whole, like, whatever. Well, like yes, a, yes, and I'm going to stop you there because I know that this person has experienced it in a different way. Tell me, is he Jewish? No. Um, he, and I may have to cut some of this out, like, if I'm going to yeah, Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. But he um, has been, um, I guess, discriminated against as far as being kind of like a white, long hair. You know, like a white guy, long hair, you okay. know, and um, being having had been harassed by the police for doing nothing wrong. So he feels very strongly that he's also been discriminated against, which makes his position even stronger in that this whole racial thing doesn't exist. Because here's is this Well, is his hair longer now? He still has long hair. He still has long hair. And he's saying that it's happened to him frequently and so he's saying it, it's not any different because of how he presents himself not frequently it hasn't mm -hmm. happened frequently but if we were traveling um together and um trying to go through customs or security he will always be stopped because of his appearance mm -hmm. and one of the things that i've come up with is that um he lives in this appearance of fuck the police i'm gonna look the way i want so right. You know, he's got the long hair. He's like not well dressed. He doesn't present as like a, a high class person because he wants to be comfortable. He wants to just wear t-shirts and like kind of look like he just came off the beach after five nights of just like sleeping, you know, like. Mm -hmm. so that's his <laughs> well, in a, but in a way it should kind of prove the point more. And, and what I mean by that is because yes, he's not fitting into what is set up as how, you know, if you want to be treated a certain way right so it and there's extremes to that right there's like how he looks with his long hair he could cut his hair that's one one difference between him and someone else is that he can cut his hair thank you for saying that yes he can and then that would change the whole no but you but he's i, I think and this is where well, let, me, let me just finish that sentence he can cut his hair but a black person can't change right. their color. And, exactly. And they would not want to change their color, hopefully. Well, mate, I'll tell you, some people would. I mean, it's like a, you know, that's, that's another deep thing. Like I think I said to my friend, this is, and this would be, you know, information for him. I don't know, you know, this person, if John, if it would matter or not. 
But um, I asked a friend of mine, my other friend, Wendy Core, my best friend, because I was talking to her about this. And she said, well, you know, I'm Jewish and Jewish people have been persecuted. And I said, yes, you're right. You know, that's a horrible thing. I said, but nobody really knows you're Jewish unless you tell them. And, um, and she was like, hmm, that's true. And I said, and I said, also, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt ashamed about being Jewish? Hmm. No, they feel felt very proud. Right. And ask your friend, John, have you ever felt ashamed about being white? I think he'll say no. So that's, that's, the, and that's the psychological, and I think there's nuance, meaning that there's an unpacking that people, um, that we each have to do like with the psychological, I don't want to say responsibility, but awareness of the effects and how are you going to come uh, rebuild like those kids in that class, the one who did the blue eyed brown eye experiment. As soon as she said, okay, the game's over, everybody go back to playing with everybody. They're all like, yay. Like they were so excited because they were able to throw off all of that if you'd, if you have to watch it because you see them like mentally just being, not only were they mentally um, deflated, uh, emotionally deflated, she had them do a, um, an exercise, like a rote exercise. And the kids that one day were told, um, you're blue eyes, you're stupid. Like she did this whole thing, you have to watch it. They, when they did the exercise, were, they did it in half the time, like they literally were dumber. They were fulfilling that prophecy of what she said. And then when they switched it around and told them they were smarter, they literally were smarter. And then she changed, flipped the class the next day, and the same thing happened. So it's kind of like, you know, the programming. And so you have a different programming that John may not, he's making a conscious choice, right, to say, F the system. So I'm going to show up this way. And, but, but it makes you dumber. <laughs> huh? what, what's that? It's like, what's but that? it makes you dumber. <laughs> what oh saying up the system no but by being by being in that dialogue of like um like in that experiment she's telling people or children that yeah people, brown eyes right. are dumber right okay, if you're right. in that yeah 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 you're dumber because yeah. you have all yeah. of that covering your pure beauty and, and your understanding of the real truth which is yeah brown, brown eyes don't make you dumber but if, yeah. you're, if you're accepting that as truth, then it then that whole being, that whole cloak that you're holding now or covering yourself up with is is that's why they were testing lower, isn't that what you were saying? Right. Well, they were yeah because she had said she just started programming them, and she's done it with adults, the same thing. She'll put them right. in. They have to wear a collar, and half the people who have the collars on, and it's by eye eye color are treated like being you know talked down to and then the other kids are given privileges and actually you see something in human nature where people start to right away kind of like the fact that they're like oh i'm you know i'm the one who's getting the, the preferential treatment and those people are they are kind of dumb you know it's these <laughs> subtle things that we start um responding to but yeah i think that someone like your friend john is um you know you don't want to look at it because it's almost like erasing history too, right? Like, because there are, th there are three prongs. Like, for example, like right after slavery, I was watching, there's a, there's a movie called Uncle Tom's Cabin, I think it was called. Have you heard of that one? And they did a movie like right around Jim Crow that they started um, in the, made these movies that showed like black slaves being happy. And they started this narrative that slavery wasn't that bad because actually they were pretty happy. Oh, wow. So it was like, they call it whitewashing slavery. And so sometimes when people say, 
or you're talking about grace, you're bringing up white privilege, it's because there's just like not wanting to look at it, but also not wanting to even look at history, like either past or present. So, because there are three prongs. This is my feeling. Like I was, and I was thinking about this. There's three prongs to this whole racial thing. It's like one is systemic, right? So systemically, yes, there was redlining. I don't know if your friend John knows about that redlining where, you know what redlining is? Gosh, I don't even know. So, you know. Okay, redlining is when, when, um, because, okay, so they went around and they, the banks would take a map and actually redline around certain areas that they wanted to segregate by race. This was after, this was during, um, after, uh, what's it called, um, Jim Crow. And then the banks would not lend money to people, uh, black, black people in those areas. So it was a, a very subtle way of, and I mean, all you have to do is look at America and look at, you know, how things are. I think, uh, what's her name? Um, what's the comedian, the blonde one? I forgot her name. Um, really funny, blonde comedian. Blonde, like really sassy. Uh, God, I can't think of her name. Uh, Chelsea Handler, Chelsea Handler. <laughs> She does a really good special on it. She said, because she lives, she's wealthy. She's successful. She lives in Hollywood Hills. And then she did this thing where she went and drove, like, out of her neighborhood, which she hardly ever did. And she went to, like, the Latin part of town. She's like, oh, my God, I'm self-segregating. Oh. Like, she didn't even realize she was living in a, and it's like, if you're in your own, I don't know about where John lives or, but it's like, if you open your eyes at all, you can see the estate of things now how we got there that's another thing that people talk about They're like well why you know people work hard or they have goals or like you said everyone's given the same advantages then why wouldn't they be well i mean i just look at my own life like i said and and how there's no way that i would be living the way that i'm living well not no way but education is very important there's somebody doing some they're throwing stuff around. oh that's robert that's robert <laughs> outside. And then the other, okay. And then the other, so that's the, that's the systemic part, like an education, like you go to schools, like, you know, around the country and you see that it's, you know, it's, it's, they're segregated. I mean, it's just the way it is. There's some, you know, magnet schools or whatever. So there's some systemic stuff that's any intellectual is not going to ignore that that now some people say like hey just as many white people have been killed by the police or as blacks and i'm not saying there's not nuance and i think that's really important that we have these conversations that are non-binary because mm -hmm. people are binary like it's either this or it's that i think that there's there's nuances that you can look at and say is there some responsibility that people who are not you know making more of their life need to not just take, but like have a real moment of like, yeah, okay, what part and how, and how can they be supported to, to be able to, you know, move forward. Um, so, you know, to look at what's, what's happened. Um, and so that's the, I say like, there's an individual psychology. And even like when I was saying personally, there's a, um, you know, seeing our own, like our own, like those kids who took it in and believed it you know, that took in like, and I'll give you a simple, a simple, and this is probably true for you too, Dion. Like if you were thinking, did you ever, I wrote this down. Did you ever feel like, Oh, if I was thinner or taller or blonder, like that would be better. Did you ever feel that all, way? All of those, all of the time, <laughs> yes. all of those that you mentioned all of yeah. the time. 
Yeah. So when you talk about someone like to, to John, so there's a whole higher, an uh, archy of like, what is the most successful, acceptable physical image, right? And so if you're a powerful, white, older, whatever man with a suit on, that's the highest level, right? And then just go right down the chart, a woman who's tall and blonde and beautiful, then now to a dark woman, a, a dark hair, dark eyes, a little chubby woman, you know? And so all of these things, like you can have a <laughs> bigger conversation. <laughs> but I'm saying like thin, chubby, um, is your hair long? Is it short? You know, yeah, do you have a huge note? That, that are, we would want to be because we think that it's better. And, and so you could say to someone like John, right? That, okay, say, let's, let's put white privilege aside. But is there a privilege to being better looking, period? Like, or, or not better looking, well, falling, into a, falling into an image of beauty that society has said, this is what beautiful is, or a man who is successful. Of course there is. Like, is he going to, you know, so the whole, you know, white privilege falls into that because most people aren't going to say, oh yeah, the most successful image in society is a dark skinned, fat black man that's balding. <laughs> Like nobody's gonna, now they may say Oprah, but she's a whole nother, you know, I think she's someone people feel safe with. I like it's, I, I think she's a different, she's an enigma. Um, yes. And she's created that for herself to right, be that for right. people so that she yeah. can be a voice that is not yeah. aggressive or too violent or too black for people to listen to. And she's also an interesting woman. If you hear her talk about race, because she says, she never, I think I heard her say something like, she never thinks of herself like, she doesn't look at people like that. She really is someone who brings her personal character. Like she's hot, vibrating on a different level, I think, because yeah. she's like, because it's not a hang up to her, it's not a hang up to everyone else. And you know what, Dion? Could that be true for everybody? Of course it could be. But when you are like those children and you take it in and you believe it, then, and so someone could say, yeah, that's something they need to work on their beliefs and, and, and change that. But how do you shake those things off? You know, how do you tell a woman who's fat and um, not the ideal beauty? How do you make her really feel beautiful? You know, so this is, this is the inner work and there's the systemic. And then what was the other thing I looked at? Psychological. And then the social, like I said, the subtle social, like John, for example. Okay. I love John, our, 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 like John, when it comes to his friends and dating, who does he date? Um, it's not what really, type of people. Well, it's not a relevant question because he doesn't, he's married, but. Or friends, friends. What does Facebook well, profile listen, look like? Listen, these are the nuances because yeah, he has mostly white people in his life as do yeah. I. However, yeah. that yeah. night that we got in a fight or an argument, yeah. um, he was saying that his black friend, get yeah. this, was yeah. saying that everything is fine in America, that there is no racism, and that mm. everybody's just talking all this trash. And that Wait, they did you say his black friend? <laughs> no, just like he said. He said, his, I did. I've checked. Wait, listen, I've checked with my black friend, okay? And he's speaking for all of. <laughs> He told me he's speaking for all every, the spokesman that I know. this is not real. This is <laughs> well. First of all, he could have been lying. Like first of all, no, but it could black, be true. <laughs> that yeah. black friend might have just been lying to make this guy happy, mm. or feel mm. not, not uncomfortable mm. in his presence. Mm. 
you know, who knows what the truth is. Right. Or, or the other side of it. And it's funny because I believe in nuance. So I listen to a lot of people's points of view and there actually are um, some black scholars that have made that point. And, and some of the points I agree with, um, but if you were to really go back and agree with in the sense of for them, that is the case, right? Because it's always based on your own experiences. Because it's, 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 it's for them, that may be true. Because if you were to go back and, um, what's the word? If you were to really dissect their, if you were to look at their story and how they ended up where they are, I'm, I would bet my money on the fact that they had a good education. I would bet my money on the fact that they had someone in their life who over, who was like, you are, don't let that get in the way. You're a great person. You're smart. You could do anything you want. And so they ran, you know, so they had like those, those third graders, they had different input. And so they didn't succumb to the psychological part of it, which is definitely, it's a part of it. It's like, if you're in an abusive relationship, you know, someone is grows up in a house where there's abuse that is going to have an effect on them. Now you can turn around and say, "Hey, get your shit together." Um, that was then. This is now. But you know, if and if you really have compassion for someone, you'll be willing to find out. Well, how can instead of just kicking them to the side and saying "sucks for you," you'll be able to like, "Well, what can I do to be part of the solution?" Mm. Um, if there is one, you know. Um, so his his one friend saying that I'd, it'd be interesting to see what his. Um, Cause they did a study on like um, uh, blacks that came from the Caribbean, like Jamaicans and blacks that were born in the United States. And they found that the immigrants are, you know, are more successful and the children of immigrants. So like, say you, say you came from Jamaica and then you have a child in the United States. So they're both now to the naked eye, they look the same, like they're black, right? but they were more successful. But they also found that they had two parents in the home. They also found that their value system was based on, you know, um, hard work. Also, if you came from Jamaica, like my good friend who's from Jamaica told me, she goes, Karen, when I was growing up, everyone who was in my life that was successful was black. She went to the doctor, they were black. She went to the lawyer, they were black. So her whole concept of, it wasn't like you can't do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Psychology. And so John with his friend, his one black friend, which again, you know, like, look, Hey, let's not put him down for that. Maybe he has two yeah. black friends. Maybe he has right. 10 black friends, you know, right. Maybe he's got more black friends than me. Yeah. Hey, I don't have that many black friends. You know? Right. Right. And I, and I, then I'm not, and I'm not putting him down. I'm, um, I guess what I'm saying is, Hmm. What I'm that, what I hear you saying and, and what I think is, is the deal is that just because that one person says it, it makes him right. It's like, yes, you just convinced me that I'm right because yes, it is okay. We're saying the same thing, right? Right. Well, and to think of that there's no long-term effects too. And this is the other thing I started writing down when we were, these are just little things like you, maybe I feel like people could have connected on an emotional level and it'd be like, oh, okay. Now oh, I can imagine that. like, for example, this is this the thing about being black and, it, and, and, um, and again, I don't know his friend and his, and maybe his friends surround himself. He might be that, I call it the Tootie. Like Tootie, remember, there was a show called Facts of Life and Tootie was the only black character. Oh, and yeah. That's, that's who I was, you know. And so the Tootie effect is when you're used to being that person in the room, you are a chameleon, right? Um, but anyway, uh, the difference, like for someone to, to see what the psychological effects could be. Like I wrote down here, it's that 
you know, when you're being black, you don't have a culture. It's not a real culture. What do you mean by that? There's no like, um, well, and, or I should say all the, any culture that there is all begins. Like when I did my um, ancestry chart, you know, as soon as you go back to like 18, whatever it is, that's a dead end because that's when there was the beginning of slavery. So there is no family. Like, I don't know how far can you trace your family tree back? Have you done it? I have not done that. I know that my, most of my family on my dad's side comes from Russia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and Rob's family also comes from Russia. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Are, and you're, are they Jewish, Russian Jews? Yeah. Okay. So you probably have like Askazi. What is it called? Askazi. You've never done your DNA. No, no. And your mom's side? I don't know that much about her side. I know that they were European. So hmm. I've heard that I have some French, some Italian, some Irish. Hmm. I huh. know. Well, that's interesting. But so when you grew up culturally, did you have a bat mitzvah? Are you, did you practice are you Jewish in that way? Because your mom's Jewish or no, your dad? No, okay. my dad was raised Jewish. But I believe that when he married my mom, he was um, willing to give up his religion. I don't think that he was not into being Jewish. So hmm. I think it was a release for him and the ability to marry his, the wife that he loved and fell in love with, even if his family didn't agree because she wasn't a Jew. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting that your dad had that. So you, did you feel, feel growing up like what was your culture? So I um, was raised Christian, and um, I mean, mm-hmm. I love that you're talking about culture because this is this is the conversation. Like we need to learn about each other's cultures, and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have that much of a culture as far as religion. I just, you know, I I accepted that. God is omnipresent and everywhere. Somehow the lesson came to me that I understood that we are all blessed, that we are all part of this wonderful universe and this earth is completely giving and full of abundance. Like I just, somehow I, I, I got that and I'm lucky, right. but I think right. I've also been searching for it too. You yeah. Know? Um, and did you like ever like for you for race did you ever like identify think about like being like because i heard someone say this in, interesting this is why i like to have the cross conversation they said that well, people who are white never really look in the mirror and think i'm white they're just like i'm dion and they only feel a conscious of race when there's someone of another race around is that true hmm I think that could be true for everyone, maybe whites, because we're always used to being around white people. So when Mm -hmm. we do have somebody of another race around us, we definitely Mm -hmm. become more aware of the Mm -hmm. difference of the person, Mm -hmm. whether it's black or Indian or Cuban or whatever it is, you know, but um, for me, the whole racism um, conversation was not, it did not envelop my life. What, what more enveloped my life was kind of classes or just being able to have, like I had everything I ever needed. And so my funny story, and it's funny because like, who's the interviewer here? Like I'm supposed to be interviewing. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. Well, we're having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I had an epiphany when I was younger because, and this is just a silly story, but 
I grew up in a beautiful, huge yard that my parents still own. I've been there. Yes. They built their home there. It's pretty much a paradise in the middle of Miami, Florida, which is a paradise in and of itself. And right. I grew up with exotic animals and just love coming out of everybody. I was talented and smart. I pretty much had everything that I ever thought, like I never even thought about what I had because I had it, right? And so one day it just occurred to me, I think I was in high school or early college years where I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm weird. Like not everybody grew up with a huge Eldabra tortoise and horses and tennis courts and ostriches and like all of the things that my life had. I just kind of assumed that everybody's life was just as weird and just as full. I never realized that I had so much, you know, so much more than everybody else or not everybody else, but just so much more. I was, I was, I had a very full life because so many things were given to me. And you can say to someone like John, like what you just said right there is the epitome of, of white privilege because it's like white privilege means never having to think about, about race, never. never. Oh gosh, I didn't even have to think about food, clothes, um, anything. Right, and, and, even, and here's, the, here's the kicker that I didn't have to think about those things either. I mean, I grew up, like I told you, in a wealthy environment. We had our own beach and yacht club where we, I spent every summer just like swimming at the beach and yacht club. I could see from my house boats. We would go out in Long Island Sound, go boating. Like we were living a bit, but, but even with all of those, those um, comforts, it was made clear to me that somehow, and this is the psychological part, that you're not as beautiful. You're, um, you're not the same. Right. So it's like being, like I said, the dating thing. Or, um, I didn't believe they're not a smart thing, but somehow you're less. And because you were black. Right. Wow. Somehow, even though you have all that, all the accoutrement, as they would say, of um, of the, of and living side by side, you know, but it's like, yeah, but mm, let me just tell you. And it's, it's a subtle thing. And white privilege is like and this is why this such a great conversation because what black people you know and and i can only imagine i was in the ghetto i didn't grow up in the ghetto i didn't grow up having to worry about this or that um uh, money or and i still don't i actually i'm there i never have to worry about money like that's not an issue for me thank god right thank god although you know i've worked for it as well but it's this um it's these subtle things that you don't like like i would say to your friend john did you ever feel like because you were white, it was going to work against you? Professionally, um, and, and he could say, well, yeah, you know, like, yeah, and back to the hair. But here's, the, he could cut his hair. And I'll give you another thing, like back to hair for black people, especially black women. I don't know if you know this, like they call it, that hair. Oh my God, Dion, is such a big thing. Like, um, why do you think black women straighten their hair, even though that's changing? because it made you more acceptable. It actually makes people more comfortable. So if you have like, if I had a big Afro, right? Uh, and and I, I came to John's house or I don't know, you know what I mean? Like his family's gonna be like, whoa, versus having my hair straight. Hmm. So if I wore my hair, I mean, I can't grow a big Afro, but I can grow a curly. So if you wear your hair just naturally, there's, and there's a shame. We were even taught to feel ashamed of our hair. It's not beautiful to have, you know, and I have like, my hair is like a soft curl, but the kinkier it gets, 
the more unacceptable it is, the dark, I'm, you seem like, I'm, I'm like, my family, of course, has, you know, European blood as well, but the darker you get, the harder it is. So there's like a whole, and that's something that if you're really, really, really dark, then you're going to have, every time you step into a room, it's going to be the first thing people see. And your friend, John, if he doesn't think that's true, he's living in a freaking dreamland because it's just, if you, you know, I, I, I was, um, yeah, that, that's, yeah. it's like no, never I, having to think about that feeling like, and also something else that someone said recently, like when you turn on the TV, when you were growing up, everyone you saw on TV was white. Was white. Yeah. And so you saw reflected, like, I, I mean, think of how powerful that is. Like you could be anything, you could be a Charlie's angel, you could be, a, <laughs> you know, you could be the bionic woman, you could be all these things. But then, like, you see a, you know, to see someone black, it was always, this is the black show. And even right. Robert and I, he'll say sometimes, my husband, he's, he's Colombian, but he'll say, um, like, last night, my daughter was watching Star Wars for the first time, and I hadn't seen Star Wars before. And I, and I was looking at the show, and I said, I said, aren't there any black people in this galaxy? <laughs> it, Apparently I, not. Like, you know, Robert's like, why do you always have to say that? I said, because I noticed that. Because think of what it would be like where everywhere you go, you're not even, you're invisible. You don't exist. Wow. So how can you feel included in the same way? Psychologically. And um, that's not something that, and it's not the victim thing because I've heard people like, oh, it's a victim thing. No, it's like those kids that were in that class when you're programmed and not only black people think like that, white people do too, just not aware of it. Like you said, being thin and blonde and tall is the ideal. And so well, the whole psychology thing is really interesting because I was getting very in tune with the things that I was um, thinking about myself growing up. I never thought I was good enough. Like I look back and I was so awesome. You know, I was this like bundle of energy. I could do anything I wanted. I just had the world at my fingertips, but my, my psychology was that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I, um, I felt very like I would never be able to do anything. Like I really didn't. And that's me. Like, that's like, like I had it all dude. And I didn't even right. know it. And maybe that, like, I would say like in my own, um, I would say that is a human experience, you know, like that we all share like this, this you know, like the Buddhists say suffering or, um, you know, and, and enlightenment. So that, that, and that's where like, I mean, I totally am aware that race is a construct because we are 99.999, whatever it is the same. So that's the truth, right? So like what you felt and what you experienced as a human being, um, that's normal. But these other layers, like we were talking about in the beginning of this interview, like what are the other layers that we say, who am I? Why am I here? Are the shared experience. So we can, I mean, unpacking all of it. And I think getting to that place where people can be more like, I feel this too. Like just what you just said, like that can be a universal feeling that people have and then there's days that you feel like you know what i'm fucking awesome like is that upside <laughs> too you know you're like actually i'm awesome and <laughs> right Just, like catch me what hour of the day right <laughs> like, yeah. you know, midday you're like fine you know like great and you know like it's i'm sure growing up you had that because like even when i say that i had these feelings growing up there were a lot of times that i was like i'm awesome and um 
that's the human experience. That's the human. And hopefully all of us can feel that way at least at some points of the day and try to have those feelings and moments become more of a part of our day versus the other way. And know? even for your, I love talking about your friend, John, because I think even going back to him, if John were to really examine himself or anyone, um, you know, and to say socially, oh, I know what it's like and I, I get it all. And yet I have like, if there's 12% black people in the United States, then if you really were living like kind of a diversified, you would have that many, you know, interactions, experiences, if we were living in that a diversified world, right? Because he's saying it doesn't exist. So if it doesn't exist, there shouldn't be these limitations. Um, I don't know if that's a good point, but I think that like really to be honest with himself and say, am I really, like I have friends are like, I'm colorblind. I'm like, of course you're color. Why should you be colorblind? Like, I think differences are beautiful, but um, if you're saying that you don't see and you know, that you completely are um, not affected by it, you just haven't probably taken inventory. And you know what, it's not easy, but it's a lot harder to live like in a delusional, you know, um, like, like, like just telling yourself it doesn't exist. When I was born and I think um, it's a lot easier to yeah. tell. Oh yeah. It's a lot easier. And I think that if you, and John, unfortunately, and unfortunately, you know, this, if you look at history, again, the system, the way it's set up was built for not just white men, wealthy, this is very important. People understand the history wealthy white men and what happened in that system is they turned poor whites and blacks against each other yes and they were like why don't you guys keep fighting it out and we'll keep doing what we're doing we'll hold on to the property so you know, talk about um systemic racism they say blacks have the average black family has one tenth of the wealth that a white family does that's because there was no wealth building right um that you know, after slavery, it was like, oh, we're going to, they said the biggest mistake that was made, and this is actually a black scholar who is in defense of racism isn't as, he's saying it isn't as, as um, debilitating. And I like that. Like he's saying, like, in other words, there's nuance, like it's not black or white. <laughs> that, um, that he said the biggest mistake that was made was that after slavery, they should have said, here's your land to the black people. Here's your mule. And, and you know what? make the most of your life like you're free yeah that would have been well, but what happened instead was jim crow and jim crow was like a law that was written that said listen we cannot like like now what do we do so they wrote laws that actually started the original policing system which said we have to control black people to live with them and so that's when they started if you look at the history the police policing it was like a way to control and um so if you look at like just to say that none of that like would have a, a long term effect because like when I was born or shortly after I was born in you know in the seventies uh, late sixties early seventies there was still in place like this overt segregation. Oh, definitely, definitely. So for someone, I, I I keep going to John, but he's perfect because he speaks for so many people, and um, to. But the reason that, the, that he doesn't want to talk about it, again, is because the only way to keep it going is to not talk about it. Like, you know, it's like the minute, if you shut someone down in the conversation, then 
you know, it, it continues, but the question would well, be. Yeah, it, it, that, that, like that, the system continues, but the conversation stops. Right. Right. Yeah. And then this way we don't have to, and you know, and him for him to ask those questions, if he ever felt like it was going to work against him being white. Well, you're going to say, yeah, no, I love that. I think that that's like really good, like things for us to swallow. And also during that night, um, not only was I called racist, but closed minded. Um, and I was like, wow, like I can't fight against that because you know that is, and I'll send you the white fragility thing. Those that's all language to shut you up. Yes, okay. I know. And then, and then they end up becoming the victim. In the end, the, the last throng, wrong of that conversation is, I'm the victim. You see, I'm the victim. That's what this is where the conversation goes. Oh, right. I'm the victim. And so now you've completely silenced the conversation. And, and you know what? And I don't, I'm not, like, people like John, I'm not angry at him. I understand. Like I told you earlier. I understand. I really do. Because... I can only imagine if I was brought up every day and you just have one perspective, you know, thank God I was a flight attendant, I think I told you. So I've traveled the world. I sailed across every sea. We used to sail across from, you know, Greece, the Caribbean, all over the Mediterranean. I've met a lot of people. That has shaped my way of see the world. Yeah. But and let me interrupt. Yeah. yeah go I was going to say, not only, have you seen and met a lot of people you've you've had such confidence in yourself that you're a singer you're open enough to give that vulnerable part of yourself your voice out to the world and out to others and we're like lots of people just can't even get there you yeah. know so engage i find that i want to engage with others and i think that's the difference it's not about like how many black or white friends you have i think it's like whoever you have in your life to truly you know, engage, to be able to listen. I think he was projecting about you being closed-minded, you know? It really, it really hurt me. Like, it felt like a dagger in my heart because I try to live my life as open-minded as freaking possible. I yeah. go to lengths to yeah. be open-minded. So when that is coming to me, I really think about, you know, what is he really saying? And, and how could he, how could he think that? So that night... I ran yeah. away crying, actually, and um, I wrote this um, text to everybody that was there. I, that's what I was looking, that's why I was looking down, was I was trying to find the text. Yeah. I wrote, I will, be, I will always be thankful for tonight because it was tonight that I realized that I need to make, no, that I need to figure out a way to make a difference in this world. It is important to me to help spread peace and acceptance in this time of hate and separation. My heart hurts tonight for myself, but it is nothing compared to the hurt that I see. Being called closed-minded hurts because I would like to learn more and open my mind. Being called racist hurt, but only because I am weak. Thank you for letting me see how strong I need to be. Oh, that is so beautiful. And what did they say? Crickets? Well, some crickets and some like, oh, but I love you. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, which you is are nice. So in there, in there, in, because you are, and if you know why you are able to be the way you are, Deanna, is because you've done, you know, you've, you've gone inside, you know, you've done work in yourself. You've done the human, you know, work. It's funny, last night, this, um, when Star Wars was on, I was like, I fell asleep. 
and I woke up and I heard like a message in my head. It was so strong. And it said, probably because the Star Wars thing was happening, but it said, Earth is the only place in all of the galaxies where you can find love, where you can experience love. Wow. And that's why it's so special. It's also like a very desolate place, like you, but it's like a treasure chest to be able to find it because of all these other things that come in the way. But like it's, it's really, um, and I, I felt like it was a message from like a wise, you know, it was, you know, when you get these messages that it was like, it wasn't coming from me. I was like really calm with this. I was like, ding, earth is the only place that you can find love. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and because you have done that, like, I mean, when you think about back to the original, who are we and why are we here? You know, and you know what? Not everybody wants to ask that question. I've had people who get very uncomfortable by those two questions. They don't want to go, and that's fine, but they don't want to, you know what I mean? They don't want to, they're like, what, huh, what? Oh, um, well, this is, this is too heavy. But I think that you've done so much of that and with such a pure heart that you are melting, you know, you present yourself in that way. And it probably makes them uncomfortable because they're like, it is so hard to look at that, you know? It's so hard to, to um, bring up this conversation because it is, they know in there somewhere that there's some truth. I mean, look at, look at the history of like when the people had slaves. Like there's some people recently, like they'll say things and I'm like, hmm, who would we have been in relationship 200 years ago? Like when I think about them, would they have been someone like, my slaves are happy. You know, and let's keep let's keep this thing going. This is working for I'm me. A lot of work done here. Kids are taken care of. I live in a, a really nice house. And think about it: people did for hundreds of years go were okay with it. Were okay with seeing people in chains in the street in the street because they were like, well, they're not really people. You know. Well, and yes, and all like yes. And I feel that lots of the people that are holding on to that and not seeing that there needs to be change is that they are also in chains. They are okay. also holding yeah. on to not only the structures that were built for them to be like held under, but like their own chains that they're not even trying to get out of, you know? I agree with you. Cause I feel like when I did my DNA test, my family, when we did it, I am exactly 50-50. 50% African, West African blood, and 50% European, English, Irish, and, um, and a little bit of Scottish, right? Wow. And so, like, but that's the history of America. Because it's this, like you said, it was the slave owner and the slave. But they were both chained to the same thing. Because as human beings, you're both, like, they both, the master knew that his slaves, like, you know, deep down inside, who likes being a slave? Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was some part in their human, although, you know, they were functioning like, no, no, this is okay, this is fine, we're, um, we're respectable people, you know? But you're right. And that's why I think it fits into this whole thing of human history of, like, being able to unchain ourselves, whether it's a race, or whether, like you said, even as an individual and, like, working through your own, like, you know, um, self-doubt, limitations, etc. Um, that, you know, it's a much bigger thing. But yeah, I think that, I think, you know, kudos to you. Keep having the, com this is a conversation. It's like the Me Too conversation, right? When it came out. People like, oh, these women, like it blew up. 
And people are like, oh, well, maybe they're over. Why didn't they say something before? Like the whole defensiveness that comes when you present something that is uh, a difficult truth, you know? You could say it's not there. And then you're going to, like, we're having cancel culture right now, even around race. Like, so we have this other wave that's happening. It's like, um, and I think people like John, and it's funny, I don't think I told you this in the beginning. I was married. Robert's my first, my second marriage. We've been married now for a long time. My first marriage was to an Irish man from mm. Ireland. 100% Irish. Met in college. Um, college sweethearts. And, uh, lovely man like lovely heart he came from ireland and in ireland he was just a regular he was one of the mill you know just another irish guy nothing special and his family was working class irish and he came to the united states he was tall he had green eyes good looking had the little accent man i remember him saying to me karen when i walk in the door i can tell like the doors are flying open for me now he was hard working he was educated i'm gonna give him that but the package he came in gave him a huge advantage. And it also kept building his confidence because in each interaction, he was getting more of a, a positive feedback loop, right? And recently when I had this conversation around race, he ends up now he's a coach, he's been very successful, but he kind of really bought into the American dream in, in, the, in some of the exploitive ways because after he started seeing, you know, um, the benefits, he went to sales, like financial sales and stuff. Anyway, he kind of reminded me of John, where he's like, you know what, I've made, I'm a self-made man and this and that. And so when I brought this whole thing up with him recently, he was like, it's race is not real. People who feel this race is real are victim of a victim mentality. And I reminded him of what he told me. And I reminded him that when he first started working in the financial district, um, he in his office, he had a, a picture of me on his, on his desk. And someone said, people said several times, what is she? They're like, what is she? What's your wife? Where's she from? Which is a question I've got my entire life. Where's she from? And uh, he's like, oh, she's, um, she's African-American or whatever. And they were like, oh, like that. Oh. <laughs> And when he saw that, he came home and told me he was disturbed because he grew up in Ireland. In Ireland, they really didn't have racism because everyone was Irish. And he said, you know, Karen, I think I'm just going to take it down. Like, not because I'm not proud of you, but I just feel like it keeps becoming like a conversation. And then he, he felt like it was going to be a liability, like, um, you know, a, a professional liability. And so he did. But even with all that, he's kind of put it to the side. And I think it's like John with his like thing of seeing other people who are successful, who have made it their own success or other people are like, well, listen, look at so-and-so he made it and he's black. So what's the problem? Right. But if they really take a moment and sit with it and say, if they were coming, if they, if they were coming into this country as an immigrant, you can ask John this. And you had a choice of being from West Africa and as dark as night, educated, same education, let's say. Same education, same family, or a tall Irish guy with green eyes that's good looking and has a brogue. Which one do you think would, would you choose? Which one would have, um, would, would there be any advantage to either? Then he'll know what white privilege is. Okay. Because we know what his answer is going to be. If he says black, jet black, he's just a liar, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't care if he's built. I don't care who the guy is. 
I don't care if he's a celebrity. Like, Chris Rock is a joke. I don't know if you ever saw it. Chris Rock says, um, he's talking about racism a long time ago. He said, any white person in here, he said, would not trade places with me. He said, and I'm rich. Yeah. Still would not want to trade places. Wow. And do you think that there's truth in that? Like if you were to ask, if you were to poll people, they were being honest? I think so. Yeah. Or like we said, back to if you're tall, blonde, and skinny, or short, dumpy, and with, you know, thinning hair. It's those, those, those things are obvious. Is there any other, any other questions you have for me? Um, well, I do, but I know that this has been a really long conversation. So maybe we could end here and, and do another one another time. Cause I wanted yeah. to go into mantra and like okay. all of that, you know, but that's maybe another conversation. Yeah. Well, this was good. I think we covered and you can edit it out anyway. And again, I appreciate you, Dion, as a soul sister. Thank you. Soul sister, you know, I think, and I think we both approach life that way. You know, um, I think people say they don't see color. I think what, what we can really say in some, instead of someone saying that is, um, I see you. Like, I, I see people. I just see people for who they are. And uh, I don't, I'm working on not letting anyone's physical appearances, whether, whether it be color or um, any other physical attribute, like that would be really evolved, right? To not let that influence even John with his long hair, you know, like to meet John and not care that his hair is long or that he didn't shower today. How would John feel if people were like, I don't care. Maybe that's why he's rebelling against it a little bit. Like just kind of put it in people's faces. But what if somebody was like, I don't even, what are you like? You know, who are you? I'm interested in who you are. I don't care about any of that. Um, yeah, that's cool. That would be a really nice um, world to live in, being less judged, because then we can be more ourselves. And let me just, I'll just tell you, like, this is kind of like a tangent, but something that I've thought of in the past is that if we had the ability to feel more certain in being ourselves, wouldn't we all be so much more different than each other? Because I see girls dressed the same, having the same style and outfits, talking the same, having the same hair. I, there, people, people feel more comfortable in big groups because being such an individual takes a certain amount of strength and self-confidence to be able to be yourself in a world where every single person is looking at you and judging you. So of course we want to become what is acceptable. And so we shrink, we shrink into this semi person that we, and we can be so much bigger and so much make people more uncomfortable because we're so self-assured and we look different. I want to, I want to start looking different than everybody else because I want to be me. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be white. I don't want to be this like white girl. Like I'm, I'm, but also I want to be natural. And this is what I look like. I'm not going to dye my hair pink or purple. I'm not going to like get tattoos or piercings. Like I don't want to do that either. That's not the way in which I want to look different. The way I want to look different is to enrich myself and, and be yeah. close to spirit as I can. So that that can present to the world in my own manifestation of me. Yeah. That's so <laughs> I love that. I think that's, that's, uh, wow. 
yeah, that's really beautiful. They show up. It's like your own. I think it's even like vibration, you know, like vibing your own unique, like you said, being courageous enough. And um, I love that. That was yeah. well said. Man. Thank you. Yeah, we can all define ourselves in our own individual ways, but we have to support each other in that. So right. And I, one of the things I'm doing with my um, group that I'm, I work with the women who are supporting each other with different art projects. And um, you want to say the name of the group? The bruises, it, well, it's wise women. And I'm, I'm working in a program right now. I'm getting, I'm learning about it, emotional intelligence a lot. And I'm getting cert, like, I, I might get certified, but I don't even know if I need to do someone's program because okay. all the things that I'm learning and like when you, um, like you had said, the more you know yourself and the more you're aware of who you are and you can bring that forward, especially the fullness of who you are, right? Like you shared some things like, you know, being sincere about like our vulnerabilities, our doubts. And there's so much beauty. There's so many gifts in that space that we can be in as human beings and kind of throw off all those layers of protection that like you said, we can expand as people. And I think uh, it's Brene Brown. Do you know Brene Brown? Yes, I do. So I think what she said, it's a great place to end. She said that, you know, we've been led um, in the world by our, our, the head, the mind, the rational mind, right? Like the, that part of the brain, the um, left brain, and that she feels like the next wave is gonna be being led by the heart. And I, I would add like our emotions, you know, the awareness of like, what does that even mean, you know? And then there can be a world that's like, like you said, people show up and they're more themselves. We can support each other. We're not so guided by fear, fear, like that's what's going to unleash now is fear. Um, but, you know, bring it out. Bring out the dragon. Let's see it. Right? So I think that it's, it's all good. And I, I'm grateful to have this uh, conversation with you. Aw. I'm grateful to have this conversation with oh, you. Oh, and I, my thing is, sorry. My thing that I'm working on is called, is, it's really about everyone. Like back to when you said being yourself, it's finding your voice, singing your song as a metaphor for life. You know, like singing your song, finding out what that is. And, you know, when you sing, there's flats, there's, there's, you're on pitch. There's like lots of things that happen, but the best singers um, are the ones that sing like truthfully or honest and connected to their emotions and are just like you said, like transparent and show up as themselves. Yes. Well, um, gosh, I just want to keep talking just for a second because that brought up um, a quote that I love which is if you love somebody, the way to love them is when they forget their song to remind them what their song is. So we can, we can reach out to people and really remind them what it is that they've forgotten to sing and how they've forgotten to be because they've wanted to ignore themselves or hide themselves because of all the hurt that's coming. You know? Beautiful. Thank you, honey. That's a beautiful conversation. And I'm, again, isn't it great that we can have this, this conversation in this way too, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm happy about it. it. It uplifts me and I'm just happy to know you and be part of your life and you're part of mine. You too, sister. Okay. Well, you have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye. All right. Well, that's Karen. She's amazing. She 
sings with her whole heart. She's a mantra singer. And um, I'll start sharing more about mantra um, because it's been a huge part of how I've been able to connect back to myself and my own voice. Um, I was always a trained dancer and high-level gymnast. Um, so I was always being looked at and I was very pretty good at what I did, but I never spoke. I never let any, I, I wasn't projecting my voice. I was showing people my body and my tricks and maybe my con connection to music, but not the voice that came out of me. I was always a silent performer. And I also went into the visual arts afterwards, which again is speaking through art. But um, I actually have lungs and vocal cords and a mouth and my own way of talking. And I am um, learning to express it. So thank you for being here with me. And um, I thank you for being you. <laughs>